0: Wildcat Radio All right. Welcome back, everybody, to Wildcat Radio, the most interesting podcast in the world covering Arizona football news, Arizona basketball news, and Arizona recruiting news. Wildcatradioaz.com is our website, and you can follow the podcast for free on Twitter at Wildcat Radio AZ, and you can subscribe to the podcast for free on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn Radio. Share it with your friends, peoples. Like, like for real, do that. If you like the podcast, do it. I am joined by a couple of gentlemen to tie a big, fat, giant bow on Arizona football season before we roll into basketball season. And the two gentlemen that are joining me are Mr. Rick DeNice, back from the dead. What's going on, Rick?
1: (laughs) Back from the dead. Happy New Year, everybody.
0: Likewise. Back from Pasadena, by the way.
1: Oh, back from Pasadena. And by the way, uh, man, did I wish that Washington would have played a complete football game instead of coming to show up in the fourth quarter. It would have been a heck of a lot more exciting.
0: Hey, man, they covered. That's all that matters. They covered. Yep.
1: (laughs) Yep. Get that back door.
0: And also here to join us is the guru, the wizard, the grand Pumbaa of the that's appropriate, right? I even know what that is. yes (laughs) yes <laughs> okay, <right. laughs> just making sure i'm not throwing out like
2: <laughs> at least you didn't say like grand wizard like, oh, yeah, and we would have definitely had to edit that out <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: the creator of the beta rank college football advanced statistical model mr rob bauer and what's going on rob Oh, I am uh, super
2: excited to be here and uh, talk about some Arizona football for like the, the last time until spring practice in like three weeks or so.
0: Yeah. And a big news fairy bomb just happened right now. Um, I mean, kind of. I mean, it's been floating around for a little while. But officially, officially, the new running backs coach for Arizona is the one and only Democra Murray. Rick, what Hell do you think?
1: Yeah. Love it. I, I, uh, loved DeMarco within that system, uh, for the Cowboys. Um, I thought he was a great player, high school, college, um, and then on, onto the pros and, uh, you know, his career fizzled out a little early, but overall, um, ecstatic to see, you know, what kind of coach he's going to become. And it's awesome that he's under Kevin Sumlin. Cause I think it's a really great fit for him
0: tied to Kevin Sumlin. Um, they knew each other when he was in high school and I think played for him when Sumlin was the offensive coordinator at Oklahoma, Rob, is that right? Yeah. 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 Oh, look at. I thought this was interesting. It was an out of the box hire, and I think when you're at Arizona, you're entitled to one or two of those. So when I saw it, look, I don't know if he's a good coach or not, but I do know that he has neighbor recognition. That's a big name, particularly in Texas, um, which is I'm sure one of the reasons why he brought him on board. Rob, what did you think?
2: I thought this was great. I mean the 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 coach that we lost was one of someone's best recruiters, particularly in the Houston area. I think getting Murray gives you instant credibility. <clears throat> um, I think he's going to have to probably um, pick up a bit on, you know, like it's probably been a while since he did some coaching um, or, you know, like actually was coached. Uh, but I think it's he's going to have to pick up a bit there. But I think this hire in particular for right off the bat is uh, looking at his recruiting chops and his ability to, to bring in players. And that's something that this staff, the focus on for this staff, I think uh, from the get-go we've seen.
0: I could see a scenario where he just tells somebody, I don't know, man, just be like me. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it was good, man. Like I I think we do have to get creative and yes, we could have found another running backs coach and that would have been fine, but Sometimes you got to roll the dice and I think rolling dice on like a, a running backs coach is kind of where you're able to do that. And look, best case scenario is we get national attention because uh, he's on the coaching staff, probably get a couple of ESPN stories and stuff like that. You get some attention on the recruiting front in Texas and, and even elsewhere because of the name recognition. Who's not going to say, uh, who's not going to take a call from DeMarco Murray. I would assume if some, if you were to call, Your parents or you. And uh, worst case scenario is we get those things and he's not that good of a coach and, you know, he moves along and and we'll go fishing again. But uh, I don't know. It was was kind of a cool kick in uh, in the rear. Now, I guess like a good, in a good way, a nice pat on the back as we uh, watched bowl season and didn't participate in it. Uh, Rick Denice, anything else on DeMarco Murray?
1: No, I, I, well, I would just say that. It will be really interesting to see how Kevin Sumlin um, as a head coach will um, implement him into the recruiting strategy um, and, you know, whether he's going to be taking Vegas um, or go back to Texas or kind of do a little bit of everything. I'm really excited to see that. And honestly, it'll be interesting to see how he, he, um, you know, transfers his knowledge of the game, you know, his skills at the, you know, being at the top level of, of, you know, college football and the top level of pro football and how that translates to, uh, you know, our our backs um in, in in the coming year so i uh, really excited to see it
0: yeah fun news and yep. it's nice to it'd be fun to see him on campus if you're a student that'd be pretty lucky oh yeah, so, yeah get an autograph <laughs> um let's dive into the final portions of this season so arizona five and seven third in the pac-12 south didn't go to a bowl game chokes the game away against asu um kevin semlin's first season I want to talk about the advanced statistics, but let's just talk big picture impressions. And Rick, we haven't had you on the podcast in a while. So uh, outside of before we get into the advanced stats and we kind of talk about some of the players that stood out and some of the snubs, I would argue, in terms of all all Pac-12 defense. You know, if if you could write a haiku about this season, what would it say? <laughs>
1: <laughs> this season was a, to me, a season of beatdowns and lost opportunities. And if you look at the beatdowns uh, specifically against Washington, Washington State, um, and Houston, really come to mind. Um, and then the, the the you know lost opportunities to win a game against Brigham Young, and then you look at the game against USC where you lost twenty four to twenty, and again came on late, um, and then. You look, you go down uh, the box score, and you you have two close losses um, in October, November, uh, sitting there with UCLA and Arizona State. It's really unfortunate because um, that that pretty much d- derailed the season, um, and 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 I really. Would, would have liked, I think, to see this team buttoned up a little bit more, especially knowing someone's pedigree and knowing what we were kind of walking into talent-wise. I know that that obviously Khalil Tate's situation made things a little bit hairy at times, but overall, there were winnable games out there, uh, none more winnable than Arizona State, and to me, you know, this was uh, kind of the uh, epitome of what an Arizona football team does, which is lose close and then get beat down um, and then up five and six so
0: before i throw this to you rob i uh so i'm looking <laughs> i just i, I don't hold back i think no. you appreciate this I, <laughs> I, I've,
1: I've been holding on to that since the arizona state game i have to let go. oh know. man well that's got to be cathartic then yes <laughs> it's, you got to get it out there
0: um no this has nothing to do with arizona i am looking up the uh 2018 arizona total season win tackles. And one of the websites that we use that is incredible is cfbstats.com. It's just collegefootballstats.com. They do such a good job of – basically taking any any stat that you want on any team and any player and they aggregate it and it's on there it's a nice clean website and it's free and you can like pay a little bit more of a subscription to get their full stats and all that stuff but it's free because under under all of this it says play trending artists and nickelback comes up on just autoplay <laughs> so <it's> like, <laughs> like, so as you were talking it's like well whatever. <laughs> it's just a, anyway so rob talk to me about uh your you know general impressions of arizona general impressions about the season and then let's talk about the beta rank numbers at the end of the season from arizona well so i i think i was less disappointed in We're the a season
2: i was a little less disappointed in the season than a lot of i mean i'm still disappointed arizona didn't go to a bowl the seven wins but i mean i thought the uh i thought talking about arizona is like a nine-win team Pack twelve South dark horse was a little premature um, coming into the season. Last season's team, I wasn't. I, I think people under underestimated how really much of last season was a one man show. So coming into this season, it really all depended on Khalil Tate staying healthy, and um, clearly that didn't work out. And he was and not uh, sulking. Think, <laughs> like,
0: and yeah, that's, yeah, well,
2: that's the other. That's the other part about this. I, I think you actually, if you look across the offense. Particularly running the football and you know kudos to Noah Bazzoni and putting the other a decent running game behind a totally makeshift offensive line with no depth and and JJ Taylor as your bell cow back, um, I like, where you really felt like you didn't have buy-in at all was at the quarterback position. <laughs> like, um, Khalil Tate clearly did not buy into it. Uh, Kevin someone, and Mazzoni were doing. You um, felt like he was sort of like he was he was just sort of like calling his own number and like not in a running way, but like he just he refused to run the football, um, even though I went back and looked at some of the games like Mazzoni called zone read, um, which is which Khalil Tate's I mean beyond breaking out of a um, a uh, a broken down pocket and like sprinting out for a ton of yards like it's it's his bread and butter running play um, he's he didn't run the football some of that is that he was injured some of it is that he was kind of sulky um, but I I don't know I mean like when, I think when you look back at the the totality of this season. Um, you know, like Arizona's offense had to be excellent. It wasn't excellent. Um, and then, to, like, I'll admit it, like, I just, I'm super disappointed in Marcel Yates. <laughs> yeah, that's oh, we're so here. ridiculous. Like, I just, I don't know how bad you have to be. I mean, three years, like, it's he's not a head coach. Like, you don't have to get the old adage, like,
1: head coach gets four years. Like, well, <laughs> man, like, nobody should get four years if well, they're this bad. And he's not making a ton of money. So his buy, it's not like his buyout's crazy either. This is what makes me so. <laughs> this is like this is the stuff where like I actually
2: curse Larry Scott because like Arizona really maybe nickel and diming like about Marcel Yates buyouts because the Pac-12 like just makes so little money. <laughs> it's just like if, if Mar- this was if Arizona was in the Big Twelve, like Marcel Yates would be like would have been like we paper is moving
0: costs. Yeah, it'd be fine. Right?
2: Yeah. Like, we would, <laughs> we would be like, whatever, like here, here's your checks. Like we'll buy you a house, just leave town. Um, yeah. He, I mean him being retained Arizona's defense didn't grade out very well again. Um, I think that's just kind of surprising. Cause I just, I feel like Kevin someone he's not giving himself his best chance to, to do well by keeping Yates on there. Um, and that's unfortunate because I, I would really like this this defense to, to take a step forward. And we've seen in the in the league, um, you know, defenses. I mean, Cal is an is an excellent example. I mean, if you would have told me in two years, Tim DeReuter and Justin Wilcox would have turned a bunch of Sunny Dykes recruits on defense into like a top like a machine defense. That's amazing. <laughs> like, a
0: yeah. legend team. Cal, Cal defense. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> like people like. You
2: you guys know who Evan Weaver is. If you don't know who Evan Weaver is, look at a picture of Evan Weaver. <laughs> he looks like a defensive lineman. And every time you see him, you're like, oh, yeah, like that guy's a defensive lineman. He's a linebacker and he's like a stud for Cal. And you're like, this dude's not going to play a down of linebacker in the league. Yeah. but He is like a monster in the Pac-12 in that defense. Like you can buy a scheme and buy a good coordinator Um, I'm just I'm surprised Arizona didn't make a move I don't I don't think that the offense was great shakes but the defense was extremely bad for the third year in a row yeah
0: there's and Rick I want to hear I want to hear whether or not you think we should fire Yates but there's uh, a meme going around right now and we don't get into politics on this uh on this podcast so if you find a good democrat meme you can send it our way but there, there's that there's a picture right now of nancy pelosi and chuck schumer responding to the donald trump speech about the border wall and they're just standing there looking at the camera and they and right underneath it says like i'm not mad i'm just disappointed and so just look up that meme and that's what i feel about the marcel yates re- retention at arizona like it's, it's the perfect picture of what i'm looking for but what, what do you think rick
1: well, and so to be honest, and if you guys go back through the pods, especially as we were entering the season, there was no bigger advocate for Marcel Yates than myself. I mean, I was sitting there saying, yeah, I think he was restricted in his play calling by Rich Rodriguez. You know, I, I think that, that he was somewhat limited in terms of the personnel. And I made all these points for him, and then he went ahead and just crapped the bed all over again this year. So um, I am now a huge advocate to let him go. But again, especially at this point in the game, which is not going to happen, you know, who would you have to replace him? Um, you know, to, to kind of go after. And I think what they're looking at now is I think someone gives them one more year. Um, see how that defense grades out, see if there's any improvement there, because I think there's pieces coming in and I think that there's good pieces coming in, um, especially down and, uh, you know, down low. So, If if he doesn't get it together, he's got to be gone either mid-season or, you know, right right, uh, you know, after the season ends next year, because there's no way you can continue to keep this guy on who is so incompetent at his job um, that it, it hurts you to the point where you're losing four football games a year by less than five points.
2: But how how disappointed are you if you are newly named AFCA coach of the year Mike Leach, That You don't get to play Marshall Yates again next year because you
1: drop drop a (laughs) 70-burger. Those are horrific games too, Rob. Don't bring those up. Oh, my gosh. Washington State and Arizona, especially up in uh, Pullman, don't get along.
0: Yeah, and
2: we were talking – oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I, I've been going through and putting together some of the advanced, and I'm not going to like get any specific advanced stats. Heard, like, but I've been putting together the advanced stats charts of like what what were Arizona's best and where it's games by the units. And that Washington, like the Houston game, is really really bad. That Washington State game, unsurprisingly, is like one of the worst defensive performances any team put out there
1: all season. Guys, can I ask a question too? And and Rob, this you know actually I want to hear your input. Uh, you know, as well, Brian, but in looking at, at our blowouts, you know, is there anything that we can key in on now looking at the season holistically uh, of why we got blown out so early and so horribly in those games outside of, um, you know, and, and maybe it is scheme, maybe it is personnel, but I I don't think that we were particularly outclassed by a Houston team, um, in, in some areas. Um, and I don't think that we, you know, were particularly outclassed, um, you know, by Washington state, um, in terms of just a athlete versus athlete perspective. So, you know, what are your thoughts, especially as we head into this, this review of why we just got beat, beat, down so heavily in those games
2: <laughs> I mean we were at the I mean that massacre uh, oh yeah you, yeah I couldn't make it. In Houston oh. like it was so hot and humid um, it was I, I think that if you look at the Washington State game and the Houston game um, I mean, it's a little less so in the Utah game. I mean, Utah, you know, really just suffocated. I mean, once Khalil Tate went out, like, all the wind went out of Arizona. Um, but in those games, Arizona secondary just isn't isn't good at, you know, pass coverage. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, and, I, and the other thing I think this season in particular that was different, I mean, Kylan Wilborn was a nobody this season, and, like, You know, like I I really enjoy Athlon, does that anonymous coaching feedback uh, at the beginning of every year. So, like, come next, I mean, I think it comes out in like July, August. Like, I always look forward to it because it's just anonymous assistant coaches, just like, just. Either like praising somebody and you're like oh yeah like i can actually see how that person that's like not getting all the headlines is actually super valuable on this defense or they're just like oh man everyone on that team sucks um and they basically said like everyone on arizona's defense was not good except for palin wilborn
0: <laughs> <laughs> and he's the one player um, that we didn't really hear from and he didn't yeah,
2: he, like he totally disappeared this year um and he was i mean he was a reasonably disruptive pass rusher last season um so there's no I mean Arizona wasn't like Yates' blitzes didn't get home I mean which is something that sort of worked for them last year. I mean they weren't good but like they were they were decent on passing downs when they blitzed um, but I just I mean when you look at uh, who Arizona had in there I mean I don't I don't think Whitaker's particularly good. Um, we played as Aziz Hearn way too much. Yeah. Um, well, we didn't really
0: we didn't really have anybody else. Right. Who else were we going to? Right. Throw, I right? mean, like, like and yeah. Tim, Tim Huff was. Oh, Lord almighty. I mean, the the celebrations like, that he did after, like, the quarterback overthrew the guy he was covering for six yards. I, <laughs> so I, so
2: I mean, I, I, I joked in the season that Tim Hoff was a uh, was a pass interference machine that had the benefit of also giving up touchdowns. But that was true. Like I mean, the dude gave him like a PI call, a game practically, and a bunch of touchdowns. So um, I mean, a lot of that's on a lot of that's on the talent, but a lot of that's on
1: on scheme too. I mean, like and Yates recruited a lot of these guys. Yeah, absolutely. And hey, guys, just uh, for your edification, Kylan Wilborn only had 14 tack total tackles this year. Wow,
0: that's <laughs> oh, crazy. That's crazy yeah, sauce.
1: So, so I just had to throw that in there. And he I mean, played a lot of like. I have you to go back and look games. like how much did he even play? I mean, he, he, he's recorded as playing in 11 games. Um, but uh, let's see, he had two sacks, uh, for eight yards and, uh, Three tackles for loss. So, I mean, if if you're looking at it in the in the scope of 14 tackles, I guess that was decent for 14 tackles. But overall, that's his production was way down
0: in defensive Arizona. And look, I I would not go to bat for Arizona on this. I think a couple things at the Houston game. The first, like Rob said, I mean, it is difficult to explain to people how freaking hot and humid it was at that game. It was awful and I felt so bad for the people that were playing down there and you have to assume that Houston plays in that weather fairly often and Arizona doesn't I understand that Arizona plays in the desert it is different like if you have been in a hot humid place I mean that play what Rob those at least 90 degrees and what like
2: it was like 90 and 90 like 90 <laughs> degrees and 90% humidity it was I thought I thought Josh was going to die in the jeans <laughs> <that he's wearing. laughs> like I, was, I was legitimately worried about <laughs> like whether we were going to make it to (laughs) halftime.
0: And if you're running around, I think, I think the other thing too, there's a couple other items for Houston. The first, and I thought Rob hit the nail on the head too with the secondary, but the other two factors in that game were the first was that the offensive line wasn't together by that point. And you can't blame Joe Gilbert. He really got that line put together as the season progressed and our running game showed that I thought we protected the quarterback as well as we could considering the people that we had on the line. They just weren't a unit at that point and neither was the defensive line. So you had Ed Oliver and company just pushing and pushing, and I know Oliver didn't have a ton of tackles, but he was certainly disruptive and we were just running around like kind of for our lives. And then the defensive line wasn't quite there yet. You didn't think of PJ Johnson really that at that point. I mean we we all like he was one of the defensive linemen that we had talked about before the season and all that stuff but like he hadn't like you didn't really see it yet until the season progressed you're like wow PJ Johnson is really good and you know him next to Bulls Jared Bulls yeah so I think I think that was also something that led to I mean it was just a lot of things for the Houston game with the Washington State game I mean we just got out I thought we did get outclassed. Um, there's the difference when we talk in our wide receivers between height and speed, and we chose speed. And Washington State had both of them and one of the best quarterbacks for that system in a very, very long time. And yeah. like we were going to lose that game, period. I kind of thought that we'd lose that game by a lot, and we did. And really, we just kind of knew that, right? Like when we did our preview, I'll probably try to pull some of the audio from that, where Rob and I were just saying, "Well." <laughs> like, how are we going to stop this, these guys? And the answer is we aren't because he gets the ball out so fast. There really isn't a 10 that we can do if our secondary isn't disciplined and, and really good. And those Washington yeah. wide receivers are pretty solid, the Washington State guys. But I'm sorry, what were you going to say, Rick?
1: No, I was just going to – to chime in and push back a little bit on uh, the you know and I know it was hot and humid in, in Houston but I mean as a, a college athlete and as uh, you know Kevin Sumlin you know basically having the whole summer to prepare those guys to go into an environment like that I just I there were points at that game even in the first quarter where I saw guys slow up and guys basically just die right on the field and I sat there and I said I mean you're a major D1 program um, you know in the Pac-12 and I just think you you Have to have you know that team prepared for those types of circumstances, and to use that as an excuse, um, you know, I it's it's hard for me to kind of swallow.
0: Houston was the Vietnam for the Arizona football program, like it was just
1: <laughs> awful, it was just bogged down and slow and hot. I, I get it, I get it, I get it, absolutely. Well, I mean, in Houston
2: to their credit was fully amped up to have a power five program in their house, yeah, like. That team showed up ready to play, uh, and Arizona just did not. Um, But, I mean, I think, Rick, another point that sort of like last year got covered up because the offense was so good. Um, Last year, the offense was so good, and usually the defense started out where, you know, the, the opposing team had to at least go like 75 yards You know, because they were getting the ball off a kickoff, man, when our offense wasn't clicking and and (laughs) both that Houston and that Washington state game, it was not. Um, Yeah. Then, you you know, anytime you put Arizona's defense in a short field, like it could get ugly really fast because Marcel Yates, defense is is not going to get stops. Totally agree. Yep.
0: Let's talk about the advanced stats here, Rob. So where did Arizona grade out at the end, according to beta rank? Uh, it wasn't good. Oh wait, wait, uh, wait! Sure. Which, which? By, actually, two more things before we do that. The first is, uh, stay tuned. By the way, this week when Ronnie and Ra, uh Ronnie and Rob I'm mixing all our hosts up. When Ronnie and Adam are going to be covering Arizona basketball. So if you want Arizona basketball news, it's coming. It's coming soon. So stay tuned for that. And then you can find all of Rob's advanced statistics on our website, WildcatRadioAZ.com. Just click there, and you can basically go through every one of these schools. So as Rob goes down and, and lists off the advanced statistics, you can see that for any school in the country, not just any school in the Pac-12. So definitely dig that and appreciate it and bathe in it. All right, go ahead.
2: Um, so Arizona graded out at 80 um, in the country. Um, I usually like to grade out, and I talk about this uh, at the beginning of the year and maybe sporadically in the middle, Um Grade out power five teams on about a one to 64, one to 65 scale. I think there's 65 power five teams if you count Notre Dame. Um, so obviously eighties is an F. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I
0: don't,
2: you don't, I, and I wouldn't give Kevin someone an F for the year. I think people have been a little too harsh on grading Kevin someone for that. Um, and we could talk, about, I mean, I, we could talk about why I think that's, but um, the offense graded out at 58. Um, versus the projection um, they came into the season projected to be at number 19. So that's really the cool. steepest fall off for Arizona. Um, but last season to give you an idea, and this is, this is interesting that the, the drop off. So last season, Arizona was the number five effective rushing team in the country. Uh, I mean, basically it was like army and like the triple option teams that were better at running football in Arizona. Um, This season, uh, they were like 89th passing. So even though everyone was in love with Khalil Tate's arm last year, like his arm was not what won his football game. Um, This season, it was a far more balanced offense. Um, So they uh, were number 47 at running the ball and number 52 at throwing the ball, which is a a big difference, um, I think. Um, But it's... I think people underestimated how much the offense depended on Khalil Tate's legs to to even get the passing game opened up and going. Um, The defense projected to be at number 99. um, So we weren't expecting a lot. And uh, they graded out at number 90, um, which is, again, really, really bad. Um, I mean, so even if you even if you want to give Marcel Yates credit, like, hey, you beat your projection by nine. Um, <laughs> that's still abysmal. I mean, he's gone from, I think, his first year. The defense graded out at 125 last year they were at 116 this year they're at 90 i mean i've had people that are still i mean rick you have at least come over to the to the to, to my side the right side <laughs> <Of> <laughs> yates. yeah um, but um, the, i still have yates defenders that follow me and you know like they're they're like next year we could be like
1: 70 and i'm like oh my god oh. like that's still such a bad that's defense a, this is like going from an f to a d to a c minus and then saying okay well we might have to hold you back a grade that's not <laughs> bad. in 4 years like you can get to like a 70 defense like <laughs>
0: ooh,
2: guys like i can i can almost smell the sun bowl <laughs> 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 so, um, what's what i found I, I guess a little surprising disappointing was the special teams graded out so poorly again um so last year uh, i think they finished out grading around 99 this year they were at 93 um not good and it was i mean so there's there's interesting i mean special teams like uh, everyone focuses on like did you make field goals or extra points i mean like alabama like was like grades out really well on special teams. And it's almost all about their like punt return, kick return uh, and punt coverage and kick coverage and how good those are. And less about the fact that their kicker sucks. Um, Cause oddly enough, Alabama normally scores touchdowns and doesn't ask their kicker to kick a lot of field goals. Um, Arizona, like just really, I mean, with the, like you could argue, and I think Dylan Klump improved the punting a bit, but um, you could kind of see actually, why he ended up leaving Cal. Like I think Cal actually upgraded their punting situation with the guy they brought in over him. Um, It was, it was disappointing to see Arizona special teams again, so bad
0: yeah we well, take a look at the pepsi challenge the beta rank and then if you look at some of the other advanced statistics so smb at arizona ranked 74th they had our offense at 51 and our defense at 82 and i would argue that the <laughs> our offense was not uh, or i'm sorry our defense wasn't at 82 it was lower than that their special team status at 63 and i think again that that i, I gotta take a look and see what their what they focus more of their statistics on with special teams but it sounds like just based off of how much we complained about Arizona special teams this year, I 63 looks kind of high. <laughs> Good lord!
2: <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, and Connolly this year decided to leave in the preseason all the way through. Oh, really? Um, yeah. So his, he, both he and ESPN's FPI, um, and you can see it like uh, the best example that I can give people is like Oregon. Oregon is much more highly ranked in um connelly's s&p and espn's fbi on their offense um oh then models yeah then models that kicked out oregon's um preseason and just ran on only in season data i mean we expected a lot more from the ducks offense um than we got uh in the actual data this season and the, the those 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 models are um i don't know it, it depends on your preference i mean i think that uh on the whole i do think you can make more accurate predictions including that data in there um but you're always going to have outliers and it looks like oregon ended up being a little bit of an outlier for offense for leaving in their preseason data
0: yeah that's crazy so oregon at 29 in offense and if you saw oregon's offense against oh i don't know arizona (laughs) but there were other teams obviously
2: (laughs) they're bowl game justin herbert can't reach Justin Herbert can't read zone game. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and I realized that they played Michigan State, one of the best defenses in the country, which we previewed on 12-pack radio. We said there was a, a hint of the Cheez-It Bowl in that before the game even started. And we were right. Uh, oh. But but that offense really turned into hot garbage uh, at in spurts. And I think maybe it's because they put it on a, a points. I don't know. It would be interesting to see. But Oregon definitely didn't have the 29th best offense in the country last year. But we're not talking about Oregon. That's a different podcast. Um, yeah. Let's talk about some of the players that stood out for you guys. Uh, and let's start with the defense, Rick. Who are some players that really made a leap? I mean, it could be obvious ones or not obvious ones, but let's just kind of go through a couple of them.
1: Yeah, well, let's go ahead and pick one from each level. So uh, I guess the best place to start, and Rob'll kind of steal your thunder if you're going to take it. But um, Colin Schooler had such a tremendous year once again, and and basically, uh, you know, took took up from his freshman campaign uh, where he was an All American and put together a phenomenal season. So 119 tackles for uh, for the season, 21.5 um, tackle for loss, three and a half sacks, two interceptions. I mean, the guy did it all, and and He's the captain of this defense, and honestly, you know, he's got a, an important, I think, junior season to try and make his mark um, even further as it pertains to the national scene. Because I think the Pac-12 has a pretty good idea, even though the uh, AP writers did not vote him uh, very high in terms of the uh, the final, um, you know, awards for uh, defense in the Pac-12. But at the end of the day, I think he had uh, a tremendous season, and and he really, um, shored up a a lot of holes in, in a lot of games. Now he had a couple off games. He had a couple games where, um, you know, he kind of, uh, folded and who knows if he was dealing with injury again or or what happens, but, um, overall, I mean, his consistency uh, has been there for the last two years and, and I don't see that change in heading into his third. Um, a really nice surprise for me as well was, uh, was, was PJ Johnson, uh, on the line. And as you guys had mentioned, I think PJ kind of started out the season, um, trying to get his bearings uh, on that line i know that they shift him shifted him around a lot um, i know that yates was kind of using him uh, on the end uh later in the season and and putting him um, towards the strong side and i i really thought that he was such a massive massive presence on the line um, between him and Bowles to kind of keep uh you know a lot of um you know big plays from happening the big plays that we saw the year prior i think were bottled up a little bit more while our defense was not great i think pj johnson um, really stood out and i was really really impressed to see what he did um, the the other guy i'm going to talk about is scotty young and scotty I think, you know, came on later in the season, obviously after the suspension and he had to kind of catch up to speed. But after he got reintegrated, um, you know, with that secondary, there were a lot of big plays he made through the last half. Um, and in the last quarter of the season, um, in, in big games where he stepped up 38 total tackles this year, after coming off suspension, he had three tackles, uh, for loss. And then he also had three interceptions. And I just think that he was a big anchor and kind of that anchor we expected him to be. Um, after he got in, or before he got into that legal trouble and, and really showed flashes of what type of player he is, um, especially, you know, uh, that second half of the season. And it kind of reverted back to that freshman freshman year. So um, I, I really have high hopes that you know, these guys are going to continue to evolve and and grow um, in moving into next year. And, and I think that these guys are going to be anchors, especially when you get P.J. Johnson back, which I know is still up in the air, um, our, our defensive line could be tremendously improved and a guy like that will significantly support what we're trying to do
0: i think johnson's coming back right did, didn't did i see that story i thought that i thought he was coming back i he's listed as a junior um yeah it's funky lev has been harping on this for a little while where johnson has a kid and uh you know like he's gonna have to provide for his family and stuff but it sounds like he's returning. I don't know. We'll have to double check on that. You know, if you're listening, just tweet us uh the story and we'll we'll tweet it out. But I'm like ninety nine percent sure that Lev said he was coming back, which would be awesome because him and JB Brown, who yes. was a big surprise this year for me, a sophomore defensive end, hit seven and a half tackles for loss, thirty total tackles. Um, and th- those guys together I know Bowles is out, but when you add in some of the JUCO talent that were coming in, you just a bigger size on the recruiting class, which by the way, if you want to hear us talk about recruiting, we recorded a podcast about that a few weeks ago, which you can check on wildcat radio, AZ. Um, I don't know. And I, and I, I thought that coach did a pretty good job. Which, which was, uh I, I was a little hesitant. Uh, I liked him at Mount SAC. I thought it was a creative hire again. His I think his nephew is like a five-star player, and he's been able to bring in talent to that Juco program. But the shift over to a big-time program, you never quite know. And it seems like he it was a really solid hire, and we got him for like $150,000. So we should shift all the money we're paying our special teams coach and give it all to him. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no and i would echo actually i thought i thought jalen harris had a little bit of an under the radar year and really played his way in front of kylan wilborn with you know 21 tackles um he had four tackles for a loss three sacks i mean really young guy still um uh, and a guy that when he came on was uh needed to put some weight on um, and I think still has a chance uh, to develop. And I, I, I believe we'll only be a, a redshirt sophomore next season. So um, there's there are some positives. I, I'm less sanguine about um, I, I, I think our secondary is so bad. I think Bobby Wolf Wolf comes in and starts right away, actually. Yep. <laughs> I hope he does. I would agree.
0: Yeah. And shouts to us. Like there are a couple, maybe one media outlet that was pretty big on our secondary. I realized that we had major injury, but we were more hesitant and that turned out to be the case. (laughs) It was like (laughs) see Washington state game. Um, uh, I'm trying to think of like on offense. I think we've really covered most of them, but Rick, is there anybody that you wanted to cover on the offensive side?
1: I mean, you know, you're looking at, uh, you know, the obvious for me is JJ. And I think... Uh, you know, we all kind of saw what he was freshman year, and then he got obviously his ankle torn up pretty badly. Um, and then this was really a great, great bounce back, where you know he had 255 attempts, 1,434 1, yards, averaged 5.6 yards a carry, with six touchdowns, um, and and made I think third team All American if I'm not mistaken. Um, and you know, you look at the production that he brings, being his size in major college football, and it's pretty astounding I mean it's 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 really amazing stuff and honestly if he can keep up that production for the next uh you know couple years I think he's going to put him in a great spot uh to to you know be a a Darren Sproles type back um you know if he stays healthy you know coming out of Arizona and have a really good chance at at, you know maybe a later round draft pick if somebody wants to take a flyer on him so um, I thought he had a tremendous year um obviously a great kid uh and and you know I really hope for big big things next year especially with him under DeMarco Murray I Think he's going to learn a little bit different of a skill set um after you know being under rich rodriguez and that offensive staff uh you know when in the first year and then you know kevin sumlin and and the uh, uh clarence mckinney uh this year i think um I, I think he's really going to blossom as a um you know he's already an all-around back but a better all-around back uh you know come next year
0: yeah and when we're throwing stones at people we should we should mention when we're wrong i i totally want to tip my hat to Michael Lev who stuck with J.J. Taylor all throughout last year and this year and I was still hesitant on him about three or four weeks in and man was I wrong like Taylor Taylor was just a monster back there I thought he was going to be too small I didn't think he was going to be able to be the guy he was more of a complimentary back and he just was a truck this year particularly given his size which is pretty impressive the other guy to take a look at for is Gary Brightwell who averaged 5.7 yards a carry uh, at arizona last year or this year and had 500 yards and three touchdowns so he's a sophomore and he'll also return and i don't know if he can be the guy but he certainly gets those numbers there are teams where you have the main guy and then all of the people see oh i don't know stanford all the people behind them are averaging like three yards a carry and then you have the other teams where you have you know the guy that's averaging four or five yards a carry and then their their second person is averaging like five or six yards a carry and it's you know more because they're the the Backup guy, and they have a couple opportunities to run up the score. But it's always good to be in that position rather than going, oh crap, who is going to be the next running back at Arizona? And Gary Brightwell is definitely a good complimentary guy. So, very excited to have him. Rob, is there anybody that stands out for you that we haven't covered before? Anybody that you want to put some more emphasis on?
2: Yeah, I want to say shouts to the offensive line. I mean, I've done it a little bit, but like, I mean, like, Coming into the season, we all had major questions about this O line. Um, I think the fact and that they were able to put together and uh, the kind of season they did for JJ Taylor, and there was there was no decoy of the QB running most of the season. Uh, and Khalil Tate's you know pa- you know completion percentage wasn't great uh, this season, and they they were able to just grade out. Um, you know, and, and road grade for J.J. Taylor and Gary Brightwell most of the season. It was, it was a really impers- impressive performance by some guys that I, I think I wasn't <clears throat> probably all that high on. And I had big questions on coming into the season because we lost so many folks. Um, but I think coming into the next season, we should be pretty excited. I mean, we get Congo and two, uh, two Juco yeah. players that are, I mean, there's going to be a lot of useful depth that Arizona hasn't had.
0: Yeah, digital high five to Sean Poindexter, who tweeted at us and said that he was better than LaVisca Chenault. That might not be the case, but <laughs> but 759 yards with a quarterback that was throwing into the stands, 18 yards per catch and 11 touchdowns. That is a pretty solid year for him, and I was really glad to see him really put it together. And then a quarterback that was able to find him. Uh, a big, big frowny face to our play calling with our tight ends Bryce Wilma five receptions 69 yards <laughs> Jamie Nutley, two receptions 21 yards what
1: the hell again <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. seriously yeah. like and and Bryce is a good tight end I mean I, I I every time he touches the ball I mean it's at least a 10 to 15 yard gain.
0: yeah and every time he touches the ball I throw like popcorn into the air it's just uh, it should not be that way uh, they were they were two of our best wide receivers, I mean the best pass catchers last year and really just were not integrating the offense. We kind of knew that coming into the, the season, it didn't seem like that was Noel Mazzoni's style, but um
2: just. Mazzoni can use the tight end. I think some of this is on Khalil Tate. I think Khalil Tate did not do a good job being a good student of the offense. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, emo Khalil um, Tate, get it together. Right. I mean like
2: um and I, I, I do think, though, that, I mean, like I, the other part, and maybe we're also giving the offensive line maybe a little too many kudos. I mean, I do think they were asked to, to stay in and block as well um, a little more than we were expecting.
1: Guys, can I can I call out one other guy, too, that, you know, he in terms of offensive production, um, you know, Sean Brown has been one of those guys where every year you look on the roster and go, Oh, that guy's still here. And Sean has been a consistent contributor for the last uh, four years. um, And, and I think really had his best seasons underneath Rich Rodden and that scheme. But um, you know, Sean Brown, even this year had, let's see here, 64 receptions for 655 yards and six touchdowns, which next to Sean Poindexter, those were pretty much the only two threats. But I mean, he, he did so much for us on the Special teams end, um, and I just want to you know kind of call him out too because um, he's been such a consistent good guy to have on on the team for the last four years, and it's been so great to uh, watch him play. And and uh, you know honestly, he's going to be one of the guys that I'm going to miss uh, seeing uh, on the field next year.
0: Yeah, yeah, and one more guy, and I'm really excited that we f- didn't forget him, Mr. Nathan Tilford. Uh, one one, attempts, <laughs> one Now I'm so bummed about that. I don't oh. know what's going on. Obviously, under two coaches, he couldn't get on the field so um hopefully he finds i, I would assume that he's probably going to transfer out of arizona and if he does i hope that he can find some playing time and get it together because i was real excited about his size if, and his. if ability. he
1: stays though if he stays he's built like demarco murray just saying
0: oh yeah there we go well maybe I mean, demarco a, will give him a chance
2: I, I i personally you guys can give these guys all the high fives you want i <laughs> feel like this is it's like that Colorado class of wide receivers that like set all the records and then like it turned out weren't that good. And like the guys that were backing up may have been better this year. Like, I certainly hope this is addition by subtraction with point yeah. and Allison and Brown. Um,
1: yeah.
2: Like I just gave, I mean, I have, I have laid some f- f- blame at the feet of Khalil Tate and some of that is fair. Uh, but some of it was, you know the first and second options when he's going through his reads just weren't open very regularly. These guys just were not getting open, um, and that's that's pretty inexcusable in college. Yeah.
0: Oh, absolutely well, agree. And and like Tony Ellison dropped like what eighteen balls. Oh my okay. god, <laughs> it wasn't I'll that bad. It wasn't that bad. <laughs> like they were all in the end zone. <laughs>
1: Well, and, and I will point out like one of the, one of the groups that I'm most excited about next year are, are the wide receivers. And obviously with Jalen Curry highlighting that, um, you know, I think he's, he's like Bobby Wolf, an immediate starter um, and yeah. probably fills that one or that two, um where he's going to get a lot of targets, whether it's Grant Gunnell um, or uh, um, or Khalil Tate in there, either one has, I think a great target to start to throw to. And I'm really excited about Jalen Johnson as well. So I, uh, you know, I think we've got a lot to look forward to with that wide receiver core.
0: Rick, how dare you not call Jalen Curry by his God given name, Booby Curry? (laughs) That's shame on you. Shame.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's a
2: family show. (laughs) With as much seven on seven as guys play these days, and,
1: uh, you know, like I think if uh, I'd be shocked if he's not playing. (laughs) Guys, do we do we think that Stanley Berryhill Hill is going to actually emerge next year too, by the way? No, no, no.
0: You're listening, you're reading Gabe too much. No, get out of here. (laughs) (laughs) Like this is if I if
2: I replace the every offseason this year is Sean Poindexter's year article (laughs) with this year is Stanley Berryhill's year article,
1: like I'm just going to quit the internet. Like I'm going to quit. Like that is it. <laughs> I'm just saying. Just saying maybe this year's the year.
0: It's a good story. It's
2: a, it's a good story. You and- you, and, you you can ask about Stanley Berryhill and Rick can start his like recruit a tight end slush fund. <laughs> 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 sorry, sorry, Brian. Okay, okay. Uh,
0: let's move to football or um, let's move to basketball. And again, if you want to listen to more basketball news, listen to the next podcast, which come out this week with uh, Ronnie and Adam. There was a big story that happened. I think it broke today. And that was Mr. Book Richardson has been, uh, has pled guilty to accepting $20,000 to direct players to Christian Dawkins uh, linked agencies and also to financial advisors and that is a bribe as a federal employee and he will serve 18 to 24 months in prison and does not have to cooperate with the NCAA. Oh man, getting off the hook a little bit, not a lot, but a little bit. I think Sean Miller is going to have a drink or two tonight and let's go (laughs) with you, Rick. What do you think?
1: I mean, I, you know, I really, We're so far down the rabbit hole with this thing at at this point. Um, You know, I I think that that what has occurred thus far, and it sounds like uh, what will occur with that plea deal, that we're somewhat out of the woods. I mean, at least we're not talking about uh, you know implicating you know the the whole program and, and getting Sean Miller in, in, you know, direct, uh, correspondence with that situation. Um, as far as we know, and I think it's going to be really hard if, if, uh, you know, books not going to talk on that, on, on that side of things, even if there's nothing there, but at the end of the day, you know, as, as you know, Rob and I were talking before the podcast a little bit that, you know, we've still got to worry about the NCAA and, uh, that's still going to float out there and remain out there. And it'll probably remain out there for uh, you know a few years. Cause that's how the NCAA works. Um, but I think, We're kind of in, uh, you know, this this ground where, you know, we've got a lot of other teams that that have have committed, you know, similar, um, you know, committed a similar, um, uh, you know, circumstance and douchebaggery. Douchebaggery, there we go I was looking for the word a word that was strong enough and I and and I think that it's going to be hard for the NCA to tackle a problem this big by focusing um, on single instances and and we all know how the NCAA is with um, you know how they carry over one situation to the other to try and you know uh, declare a fault and, and a penalty on a program uh, C Baylor I think is a is a good example or Penn State and um, and at the end of the day it'll be interesting to see what direction the NCAA will take with this and, and, you know, what, you know, how the dust settles. So, you know, I think, you know, it's, it's good that there's uh, I guess some finality to the book Richardson stuff, hopefully coming up here shortly. Um, But uh, you know what I'd really like to say, I'd really love ESPN to, um, you know, get some stuff right once in a while. That would that's what I'd like to say. And then on top of that, Dick Vitale needs to uh retire. He's been
0: so, point. so bad. The fact that he tweeted out that UCLA should be looking towards Rick Patino while at the other side of the oh, dumping dumping okay. Sean so <laughs> off, Like what's so crazy though is like phone.
2: Adam Zagoria, who is like a legit basketball writer and who's done some pieces for the star, yeah, he actually talked to some major UCLA boosters and like Rick Pitino could be a thing. It's like, crazy
0: town. I know it's like actually could happen. It's freaking ridiculous. But this is like, if you are, if you're UCLA and at
2: the end of this, like, you've got a bunch of like names that don't get anyone all that excited. And your big booster comes in as like, hire Rick Pitino.
1: <laughs> oh. How much money do you have to set aside to then just know that, you know, three, four, five years down the road, you're going to have to deal with multiple legal situations? Oh, for sure. Yeah. I,
0: I thought you were going to say, how much should they pay him? Like, he'll take the job for free. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Like, Rick, Rick
1: would be on the <laughs> jet. <like, laughs> he's like a cockroach. He just keeps coming back. <laughs> yeah. I just on.
2: Um, I mean, so it, I and just uh, to hit on the ears, i like, it's great for, it's great for Sean Miller. Like Sean Miller's not like the takeaway here is like Sean Miller is not going to jail because book doesn't have to cooperate as a part of his plea deal. Um, it's interesting though, that both he and the, the USC assistant coach that were charged to take in these plea deals because they looked at what was handed out in the earlier case with Merle code and everyone <clears throat> and decided that they're, uh, these cases were going to go forward and they were likely going to end up with longer jail terms. And so, um,
0: then they they him like five years or something. The the first guy. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs)
2: Um, so I mean, the federal prosecutors are usually, and prosecutors are usually happy to, to take a deal, take a win and, and move on. Um, it's interesting that the USC coach looks like he's getting probation, uh, but books likely to actually go to jail as part of his deal. Um, but it's, like this will, we're not out of the we're not out of the clear of the NCAA. Like the uh, people think that the FBI and the NCAA have the same standard, they do not at all have the same standard. Um, for the FBI to charge you with something, you actually have to like be like seen physically moving money. Um, I mean, not physically moving money. You could also like click it and move it around electronically.
0: But
2: <laughs> you have to move the money. Like money has to pass through your hands or accounts. Yeah. NCAA, like Brian Bowen's dad, could just be like, "Yeah, Arizona offered me one hundred fifty thousand dollars, and that's a potential violation." Um, so <clears throat> Arizona is not out of the clear yet with the NCAA, but this does likely mean that Arizona is not going to have any more charges coming in uh, against the staff, which is which is in itself a win.
0: Yeah. And it looks like we have another top recruit that is saying that Arizona is standing out. So, looks like the college basketball recruiting landscape for Arizona will continue to roll. At least we figuring
1: out how to pay people under the table finally. Yeah, yeah. that's right. <laughs> <laughs> at, at what point do you have to pay the bagmen more than you pay the actual recruits? Because the bag men are that good. That's what I want to know.
0: No,
2: they should. I mean, they're taking all the risk, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. And yeah, there's he's... this whole thing. Like, I mean, like it's not. It's not all that's like it's not all that big of an open secret. Like all these black, these bag men are African-American.
0: Yeah. Like not one guy has been charged or is like really under, is is likely going to get in trouble for this. Right.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, like, like as Rick was saying, like, I mean, Kansas is in a a mess of hot water. Um, And if I were UCLA, they're now an Under Armour school, but like, you know, they, the FBI has the most, Evidence uh, against Adidas right now. So if I was in Adidas school, I'd be super worried. Um, this goes for the Arizona states of the world, the um, where they were trying to steer recruits. Like if you were in Adidas school, uh, I'd be a little worried at this point. But I'm, I'm a little surprised though that they didn't they didn't try to get cooperation out of Book or I want to say it's, 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 it's it starts now L- Tony L- Tony something. The I think um, it's
0: Lucas these, or.
2: Yeah, the UC, USC assistant. Um, because I, I still feel like the FBI hasn't really nailed anyone uh, or put together a case against anyone at Nike yet. Um, and One. this would have been the end to like, if you could get, if you could get, I mean, particularly if you could get Book to, to talk, like you could, I mean, sure, you could nail Sean Miller. But the bigger thing would be that you might be able to indict someone at Nike
1: um, and, and get a lot more going and rob is that but but uh, you know and you guys may know better than than myself but would that be any indication if these guys are kind of getting plea deals now that this has gone higher up the food chain and that they're actually sitting on a bigger fish that that you know potentially could turn over a mountain of evidence to go after you know somebody at one of these organizations
2: you know it could be i mean they could be um, and it wouldn't if, they're, if they start sort of like rolling some of these cases off their docket, they may um, they may be looking at they have enough evidence to start, and they want to start pulling resources over to other cases. Um, and those cases might be against Nike, they might be against other schools. Um, it's definitely something to, to keep an eye on here because um, I mean, prosecute like I said, prosecutors are usually happy to take a win. It's surprise. It's really surprising to me that book richardson got four of his five charges dropped and significantly less jail time and there's no cooperation and the UC, usc guy is just going on probation and apparently there was no cooperation like that's that's pretty surprising to me that um and and when you get no cooperation deals like that it's it's usually that the FBI, that the the federal prosecutors decide that you don't have anything to say that they think is interesting. <laughs> yeah,
0: I think the most depressing thing about this whole thing is that of all the schools that are in trouble, like Arizona is the one that sucks the most this year. <laughs> like we're just doing like if you we're look so at our team, terrible. oh, it's it's a little rough. Uh, we play good defense, though. And, and if you're saying, "Well, our recruiting class went to crap," get out of my face. We had uh, Javon Quinterly, who's averaging like. 10 minutes a game and three points at Villanova and uh, and, and Sharif O'Neal, who wouldn't even be playing for Arizona this year. So hopefully we can turn it around. I'm going to be kind of positive, but um, not super positive. There's
2: still like a, like and people say that, there's still like two five stars in yeah. Arizona's starting
0: five. Yeah. Yeah. It's ridiculous. <laughs> I know. It's like, oh, this if,
2: is if, if, if Arizona's
1: football offense had two five stars, it's like,
2: <laughs> I mean, are you kidding me? Yeah. <laughs> well,
1: well, and if if there's any year to be you know as mediocre as it can get, uh, this is the year to do it. So especially <laughs> so this the the year the to be my So yeah, we're 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 in uh, the driver's seat right now. So I'm I'm going out on a positive high, guys.
0: Uh, we're gonna get this we're is... gonna get swept by ASU and USC is gonna win the conference. Get <laughs> out of here. If <laughs> you watch this team, my like, God. Oh my God, oh
2: man! But you, I mean, ASU got. Yeah. Got smacked around by Princeton and then
0: Utah. Brian's
1: I mean, turned that ASU flag, though, I'm telling you. it's, oh, I,
0: it's- I really plays basket. I really looks at basketball the way I look at like computer code. <laughs> like it just, like, what, what am I supposed to be doing here? It's,
1: ridiculous. it's he reminds me of uh, like a, one of the, like, goon in hockey, you know, where like, he you know, his stick skills aren't great. He can't really skate that well, but he can definitely go and just, you know, punch you in the mouth and start a fight. He won't, and that's kind of what he comes in for. He
0: doesn't have, a, he doesn't have hands. He'd be a great tight end for Arizona because we wouldn't pass to him ever. <laughs> oh, <Arizona football. laughs>
2: I just don't understand. Like I, I watch, and, and you know, you read, you know what uh, what's written about this team, you know, and the the quotes that come out of the con- press conferences. It's just, I mean, like I don't get it. Like John Beeline is dominating college basketball with. And he's not pulling in like A plus recruiting classes year in year out. Um, Neither is Jay Wright. Like they just run far more sophisticated offenses than anybody in college basketball is running. And I just I don't I don't understand the total resistance to change on Arizona staff. Like and I I, like don't even don't even come at me with like Lorenzo Romar is a good offensive coach. Like don't (laughs) don't even like (laughs) stop it. Like Lorenzo Romar like was a excellent a plus recruiter who basically let his dudes do what they wanted on the court oh man
0: but he had great
2: dudes man I no, 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 <laughs> he did he did like Lorenzo romar is an excellent excellent recruiter he was not a good x's and o's coach and people like they played up tempo i'm like yeah, they played up tempo and like had a ton of turnovers because they had no offense except like, oh, you're really good, go go do something. Wait,
0: what were you going to say, Rick? As we uh, if, as you pull us away, I'm sure like half of our listeners are yelling at the radio right now, but <laughs> <laughs> save save us here, pull us out of the abyss.
1: No, no, I was I was just going to close with I I think it's interesting the the way college basketball kind of gone, and and I think that Kentucky led the charge with uh, the emphasis of going out and getting you know a group of five star guys over. Um, you know, chemistry and scheme, and and I think everybody saw. Um, you know, them do it, uh, you know, with that remarkable group, um, you know, of guys for what, four or five years ago and said, yeah, this is the mold that we need to copy. But meanwhile, you've got all these programs and, you know, Villanova, Gonzaga, um, that were kind of been built from the ground up with the same guys year over year that have built the chemistry. And it's, uh, you know, it'll be, it'll be fascinating to see kind of the, the next wave that comes along that college basketball says, oh yeah, we need to start shifting our approach to the, to this, because I I think at the end of the day, if if we learn anything from how miserably Arizona failed last year with the talent that they had on the floor was that there was, you know, you can't have, um, you know, crazy amounts of talent um, supersede, you know, the chemistry and the scheme, um, you know, when you get into March madness and drop a, you know, really (laughs) bad game to Buffalo. So
2: you could just give Larry Markman on the ball. Like, what was it like twice or three times? the Second half NCAA game, like real smart offense to to be
0: fair to be fair Alonzo <laughs> Trier like went on a tear and scored like 30 straight points so I understand that, that stat gets a little bit lost but I still I get the sentiment you want to talk about some contests some sleazy contests
2: Hey, I won one contest this year. So let's talk about it.
0: You did. You did. Okay, so let's go through all of them. The first is so we should talk about our bowl pool. So we had a number of participants in the bowl pool and we were giving away the prize of two tickets to an Arizona football or an Arizona basketball game. If our listeners could beat us, which would mean that they'd have to finish first place and not tie any of our hosts. And someone freaking did. And I am so happy about this because and I'm tearing up a little bit because it's C team C team who won like two games in the first fifteen bowls and then made one of the most epic comebacks in the history of gambling and finished with twenty three wins I think he missed one two one two three four five out of the last like twenty or something I mean it was cra- it was wow. such a crazy comeback um ended up winning by two he beat um Bear Down Steve, who had 20 wins, and uh, I don't think – oh, somebody else said uh, – Donnie Stofel, who was not Ronnie Stoffel. We didn't enter Ronnie twice. Uh, it's somebody that knows, <laughs> that knows Ronnie
2: and uses his name. It's like one of the, like one of the Wahlbergs, like <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don, Donnie Wahlberg.
0: <laughs> oh, he ended up getting 21 points. On the host side, I faded like a stone at the end, guys. Like I think I've got one, two, three, four – I got – it's either nine or ten picks wrong in a row. If I would have parlayed those, I'd be I'd make a million dollars. I uh, I ended up with twenty. Rick, you won among the hosts with twenty one points. Congratulations to you for uh, winning among the hosts. No, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm pulling that pulling that rug out from under you. Uh, you tied Freeball and Murray among our hosts. You both had twenty one wins. And That's- let's go through the other results here. We had uh, Ronnie Stofel had nineteen wins, and Rob, you had eighteen wins along with Rick Powell and Adam Green brings up the caboose with 17. So congratulations to C team, C team send us your info and we will hook you up with some tickets and very proud. Pl- like he's been with us for a long time. And I just, I, it's like, I feel, feel like a proud father just watching somebody like you can, you can <laughs> swim young man. Keep doing, keep moving your arms. And then all of a sudden he's like, you know, Michael Phelps. It was uh, pretty awesome to see him come back. Um, let's see here. Well, any, any questions, comments, concerns about the bowl pool, gentlemen?
2: I mean, this bull season was bananas. So, yeah, I mean, <laughs> congrats. Like, it wasn't just my Good model luck. that had a rough bull season. Like, all models had a rough bull season. Vegas had a rough bull season. It was a rough bull season. <sighs>
0: uh, yeah, it was pretty crazy. There's some nuts <clears> games. And by the way, just Clemson just beating the crap out of Alabama yesterday. That was Oof. so
1: fun to watch. Yeah. Oh, what a beatdown.
0: Uh, let's move on to the season win totals. We had first place, Rob, eight and four. Well done, man! Nice. Thanks, thanks. Um, picking,
2: picking against Arizona was the the key to my victory. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> not not, buy, not buying into the Marcel Yates year three hype.
0: So after we did the twelve pack radio, uh, completely uncalled for college football uh, football preview, I was so confident going into this year in terms of the season win totals like i I thought i had this i went three and nine like it was really really bad like basically everything i said on that podcast was wrong but i did i did uh you at least got
2: ucla right right like we were at agreement on that one i remember that
0: i did did i even get that one i must have gotten that one i think i'm i'm trying to look at the numbers yes yes i did i got the ucla under and i went to war over that one um I got the Washington as a push. I got a point for a push in Washington and uh, and got the over. Rick, you went six and six and tied with Ronnie Stoffel. How do you feel?
1: Uh, I feel about five hundred right now. That's great. That's, that's yeah. Well, I'm I'm not used to it, so it's good to get that feeling once in a while, just to keep <laughs> me honest.
0: Yeah, Rick, you went nuts last year. You won all three contests, and we'll get to the picks against the spread. Uh, the picks against the spread, and talk a little bit about that because you did pretty well there. Uh, Rick, nice four and eight. Adam five and seven, and again, Ronnie six and six. Moving on, let's see what other contests we had here. We had uh, Guess the Lines. I think that's the last one. So Guess the Lines, I want to crown myself champion. I was uh, 51 and 31 on the season. That didn't include a good bowl season, too. I think it went like 5 and 2 or something like that. Um, and... But Rick, you and I were neck and neck for a long time. Yeah. The last two games mattered. Uh, if you would have won, well, actually, I take that back. Yeah. It didn't really matter. Uh, but but <laughs> you finished 49 and 33. That was a heck of a ride, too. So in total, you are probably like 65% against the spread in the last two seasons. How do you do it?
1: Uh, that's a great question, too. Um, just go with the gut, and hopefully you, uh, you, you turn out and, and you do something good with it. But I need to start betting money. Like that's, that's the real problem is that if I'm this good and I'm not betting anything, like, you know, I'm wasting my talents. It's a tree that fell in the forest. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, so maybe I need to put that on my, uh, my bucket list for this year is that I need to start obsessively gambling and see how that turns out for me.
0: Yeah, and I want to highlight that these are picks against the spread. These aren't just oh, you know, ASU's going to beat the crap out of Oregon State. It's like no, ASU will beat the crap out of Oregon State by 31 points. <laughs> so, uh, so shouts to the whole podcast crew except for Ronnie. Um, we all, we all got oh, a, Ronnie. I know, I know. He was okay last year, uh, but just you know, we all have a stinker of a year, and that he just ended up having uh, picking the that straw this year. We all finished above 500. So, Rick, you were 49 and 33. You were forty-four and thirty-nine against the spread. Rick Powell was forty-five and thirty-seven. Uh Adam was forty-two and thirty-eight. And Ronnie was thirty-five and forty-seven. So um congratulations to everybody, man. That was a fun year. And uh I'm not sure if we I don't think we did a contest with our listeners outside of the um outside Yeah.
1: We forgot the survivor pool, right? Oh yeah, so yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. Um well we did the Run the Gauntlet. Where basically our listeners could, uh, pick a person to go head to head against the spread with and nobody made, nobody ran the gauntlet. Nobody got close. I think we crushed everybody after like two tries. They had to win. They had to beat all five hosts and, uh. (laughs) It didn't get past the second one. Rick Powell had the most eliminations. I think he eliminated like 10 or 15 people. So congrats to Rick Powell on that front. And then the uh, Survivor Pool. So congratulations to the Island Cat for winning the Survivor Pool. I'm sorry it took so long to actually announce that you won, but you did. And and we are uh, I think we owe you something. I'll have to go back and look. So if you can tweet us at Wildcat Radio AZ, we will get you your prize. And I think Philly Joel did fairly well um, Blake Keithley did fairly well. There's a couple other folks that were one or two picks behind, didn't quite get the job done among the hosts, Rob, you and I, uh, lasted the longest and were both eliminated at the same time when, uh, when Oregon state beat Colorado and Arizona beat Oregon and like the whole, the whole PAC 12 set itself on fire, uh, in an act of <laughs> protest against good football and that they also got us as collateral damage. How do you feel?
2: I feel great. Like the the model had a good year against the spread, uh, just above sixty percent against the spread this season. Um, almost actually, beat me,
0: Rob. It almost beat me. That's <laughs> on,
2: uh, on the average year in year out, it'll beat you. <laughs> but yeah, this it was it was a good year. Um, over eighty two percent just picking straight up winners, so pretty
0: good. Right on. No, yeah, sixty percent is awesome. That's uh, very very good. Um, anything else we should cover before the good of the order before we sign off?
1: I think I'm good on my end.
2: Bring on spring, bring on spring football. UCLA is already practicing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so so for the good of the order, I'm going to mention, I'm probably going to delete about 20 minutes of uh, of our conversation about Arizona football to keep everybody positive. Just so about we don't lose, Arizona like football or Arizona basketball. Oh, Arizona basketball! Just so our listeners like uh, can you know keep on the sunny side here. Uh, but no, no one's like, on the sunny side. The Pac-12 is awful. <laughs> well, to <laughs> to hear more about the awful Pac-12, stay tuned for Ronnie and Adam as they talk about Arizona basketball, and we will make the shift next week. Very excited about it. Um, already done our research on this. It's
2: like a one bid league, like stay on the sunny <laughs> side. <laughs>